Hey everyone, welcome back to Vanessa on Films. This is just the podcast where we discuss TV and film news. As always, I'm Vanessa. Again, this intro will never be the same. Um, But yeah, um, a lot of exciting things are happening because this really is fall festival season and I prefer fall festival season to anything else, even if we are comparing it to award season. I, I love award season, but it is a really stressful time. Festival season is so fun because this is the first time a lot of critics and even regular people who aren't, um, you know, part of like the critic, the critiquing world, um, see the films for the first time and they share their opinions. And it's so cool to see what people have to say about films that you've been looking forward to for you know, months or even years, and whether it be positive or negative, it's just really, really cool to see those opinions come to fruition and see the reactions that these films have. One thing that festival season is notorious for is, of course, of course, it is, of course, notorious for the long standing ovations that happen at these festivals, specifically Venice. I feel like it definitely is more of a European thing, and we can get into discussions about, like, pretentiousness surrounding the European film festivals, but we are not going to. All I'm saying is that, um, yeah, it's just really funny seeing the long-standing ovations that these films receive. Basically, if you're, whatever, if your project is, or movie, or whatever you're premiering at one of these, specifically European festivals, is not receiving longer than, like, four minutes of a standing ovation, it's probably not very good, um, because they will literally applaud for anything at these festivals. That's what I've come to realize, uh, these past couple of years, and, yeah, it just, they will applaud for anything for a really, really long time, so if you're not hitting that four-minute mark at least, it's probably not a very good project, and I'm sorry to tell you that, but nonetheless, it premiered at a huge festival, so they're, they're, they're something, right? Um, yeah, I feel like I've spoken a little bit about the difference between the way that American festivals are treated and the way European festivals are treated. Um, I just think people consider the European ones more prestigious, and that's why a lot of the times the, the, the like, American, and I'm sp- speaking more so about TIFF. A lot of the times people don't want their movies premiering at TIFF. That's what I've come to notice. Of course, this isn't always the case. This isn't necessarily the truth. Um, It's just something that I've noticed. A lot of the more um, auteurs definitely turn to the European ones like Venice and the Berlin Film Festival and, of course, um, Cannes, which I still pronounce it Cannes. Sorry if you want me to pronounce it another way, but that's how I pronounce it. But anyways, uh, yeah, it's definitely something that I've noticed. Um, there's also a lot of, like, other things that I've noticed. I think when all is said and done, I think that the way uh, Holly, not Hollywood. Should I say Hollywood? Okay, the way North American film festivals treat people who have, who are just not good people, the way they treat them, I think is a little bit, I guess, in line with what I think we should be doing to them. Um, So I think the European festivals kind of allow anyone and everyone to premiere their movies. Um, For example, Roman Polanski, of course, he had a movie that I think it's currently sitting at a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, Yeah, his movie premiered at uh, Venice. I think I think Venice is just notorious for literally anyone premiering shit. Like 
they don't really care. It's it's more about the films. And it's like, yeah, sure. But I don't know. Like, I, I do... Although the, the state of, like... Um, let's call it the politics of the North American film festivals is really, really bad. Like, I'm not denying that. Um, um, it, it definitely feels a little bit like liberal, woe is me type thing. It, it, it Again, it is still pretty bad. I think it is a lot better than what happens in Europe, specifically like the European film industry, really. And I'm using Europe as a really big Obviously, that's a really big statement to just say Europe, but I feel like it happens literally at most festivals, maybe not like the the British ones. I feel like those ones also kind of are more aligned with how uh, the North American ones operate. Yeah, so I don't know. I just, festival season is a really good time for me, but it also reminds me a lot of like the differences in how the film industry operates around the world. Um, yeah, speaking of, like, Polanski's newest film, um, I think it's called The Palace. It's, I, I don't think it has a single positive review so far, so I'm, um, obviously, like, Rotten Tomatoes is kind of a flawed system, but at the end of the day, it just calculates how many positive versus negative reviews a film gets, and then that's how it comes up with the, um, percentage. So right now it has 0% because no reviews have been positive, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's similar to his other film um, in that it hasn't found distribution in the US, um, the UK, I think France as well, like um, the, the Palace. Um, it hasn't really found a home for like distribution, but for some reason, Italy is always running to distribute his films. I don't know what the hell's going on in Italy. Like, I'm allowed to say this um, because I'm Italian, but like, I just don't, I don't understand why they're so obsessed with shitty people directing movies. I feel like this is just a historical thing within the Italian film industry. It's just, I, I don't know. There's like this obsession with like controversy for no reason. <laughs> I, anyways that's what i want to say about fall festival season it's a fun time obviously there's a lot of work that needs to be done around the world in every single in um, industry regarding film but um fall festival season is kicking into gear um i'm going to speak a little bit more about tiff actually um, a little bit later but yeah um i i'm i'm gonna talk a little bit right now regarding something that i've been mentioning for the past like three or two episodes but yeah so my emma seligman interview is officially going to be dropping this week i it's confirmed it's confirmed okay like i'm not lying this time i thought it would be premiering last week but yeah um so i would suggest just like following me on social media vanessa on films instagram twitter and um, letterbox because i'm going to be talking about it a little bit more i'm going to be sharing it so if you go to okadu.ca slash live that's where it will be premiering on thursday september 7th starting at one so it's going to be premiering at one and it plays i think every hour um after that so yeah so if you uh go on to that website on the 7th it'll be premiering and you could watch it live um i'm pretty sure it will be on demand soon after that or even as soon as it premieres i'm actually not sure about um when the on demand 
um, section or like when it will be on demand. I'm not exactly sure the timing regarding that, but um, yeah, if you go there, you can watch it live starting the 7th at 1 o'clock. Um, so yeah, technically tomorrow, it's premiering tomorrow, and I'm really, really excited to just have it out there. Um, yeah, so again, this is part of That's a Wrap, which is a, a video series that I did for OCAD You Live, where I essentially did the same thing that I'm doing now, talk about film news and TV show news, and then, um, yeah, editing the videos, uh, talking about the news, and that's kind of what I'm doing here, but this is a podcast format. So yeah, it'll be on demand under That's a Wrap once it's up. Um, so I'm going to link OCAD You Live in this description, and I'll also link the That's a Wrap on demand page so that if you miss the premiere, um, you can watch it on demand. And I'll probably talk about it in other videos as well. I'll be tweeting about it and stuff like that. Um, I, I think it's really cool that it actually is premiering this week because although it had its like wider release or official release last week, it actually just got announced that it's going to be expanding to more theaters this weekend. So it is really fitting. I think it's just like a celebration of the movie and how much it's like grown and the love that it's had on social media. It's just really cool to see it kind of, yeah, uh, I don't know, just like garner this following. Um, and so I think it premiered in about 700 theaters and now I think it's being really, uh, or like the release is being widened to 1200, which is really, really cool. And, um, if we look at the per theater average of its box office totals for the weekend, it's really impressive, like very impressive numbers. And so it's just really cool that I got to speak to Emma um, it was technically, like, one of my first times, it, it, it was, like, my second time interviewing people for something like this, for, um, That's Rap, and also, like, just in general, like, interviewing people, um, but it was my first time interview, yeah, so it was my second time doing that, interviewing, but it was my first time in general, just, like, in your interviewing someone part of the film industry, um, so, yeah, uh, obviously I was, like, a little nervous just because, like, I, I'm a huge fan of Emma's work and um yeah like when I introduced myself to her I like immediately like introduced I obviously said my name we like shook hands and then I immediately said I'm such a huge fan of your work so there's that um and yeah she was just like really kind and like appreciative of like everything good that I had to say about her her or her work and um bottoms specifically because this film is just so incredible and it was just really cool getting to talk to her about that and hearing a little bit more of like the behind the scenes aspect of the film i feel like i already said all this last week but i don't care i'm saying it again so tomorrow thursday september 7th starting at one it will be premiering on okadu live and then it'll be on demand maybe a little later maybe even the same day i don't know but i'll link both uh where you can find it in the description and I'll be like tweeting about it on social media. So yeah, it's just really cool and I'm really, really excited about it. I have a tea that is soaking and I need to fix it so that I can drink it while I'm recording this. So I will be right back. Yeah, so um, speaking of tea, one thing you might notice is that my voice is really like raspy. Um, I don't know how else to describe it. So Thanks for listening if you find my voice annoying. <laughs> I, yeah, whatever. Anyways, so my opening rant um, or question, I usually start with a question then it leads into a rant, is 
again, TIFF is happening this week. It starts on the 7th and it ends on the 17th. I mean, I feel like you know from... If you you know that I'm from Toronto, like if you follow me on social media and stuff like that, like it's not it's not a surprise. So I will be attending it. I have tickets to only two uh, screenings. I'm I I really love going to the premieres, like doing the red carpet thing and like just walking around Festival Street on the first couple of days that it's a thing. And then what I like doing is I like going to the screenings on the second week. So, or not the second week, but like after the first couple of days, just because it is calmer and there's still quite some tickets left for most of the screenings. So it's just cool to like, yeah, um, find movies that aren't necessarily selling out and like buy a ticket for them. What I will say is that Tiff needs to stop doing the Ticketmaster thing because people are selling Anatomy of a Fall tickets for like $300 right now. Oh, the last time I saw it was like 100 but I'm sure it's more now. I know the newest Miyazaki film is selling for $300. Um, it's just, I don't know. I don't know why they would use Ticketmaster. It's just really odd. Um, I also heard a lot of people that are part of the press. It was a little difficult for them to get tickets to the movies that they needed to see. And so they've had to reschedule everything. Um, but... Nonetheless, I I really love TIFF. I've here's the thing. I always loved movies, but I really got into them during the early stage of the pandemic, and that obviously meant I wouldn't wasn't able to go to TIFF. So last year was my first year going, and it was a really cool experience. I only saw two films as well. I saw The Wonder and Causeway, and I really, really enjoyed the experience of seeing those films in a really packed theater. And what I mean by theater is like theater like <laughs> like where plays and shit happen so yeah uh it was just really cool because it was just very full um yeah they were really great movies I loved both of them and yeah uh I also got to I got some autographs and I did some red carpets and it was just a really good overall experience um yeah and it, here's the thing though I I I don't it is a little bit like a lawless place and I don't mean that to um I don't know I don't mean it to necessarily necessarily like negate the workers work or the volunteers work because they do a really good job at organizing everything what I mean by that is that it is a really lawless place in the sense that when it comes to people trying to get autographs and meet their favorite you know actors or directors it kind of becomes a lawless place um it's just like people like squeezing up against like the barricade and like yeah I don't know it just it just becomes a little like dangerous so I I I want to talk a little bit about the autograph hounds if you don't know what those are those are just people who for their jobs they literally um I don't even want to say it's stalking, but like it kind of feels like that. They find out where famous people are, they print pictures of them, they get them to sign a bunch, and then they sell them. And I mean, I respect it. Like it, a job is a job, right? But um, it just it was it was like so interesting to see them in action. And I'm also like the type of person that I actually try to collect autographs, like 
very casually though like if I hear about like a director being somewhere like I might print something and have them yeah sign it and like try to meet them like I did that with Damien Chazelle once but I, I also tried it with Ari Aster but I failed um but the the point is is that these autograph hounds are really ruthless and they have the same energy as paparazzi and I feel like people can kind of come to that conclu conclusion uh, on their own. So my question is, should we start arresting autograph hounds? And my answer is yes, to a certain extent. I don't know. A lot of the ones that I've interacted with have been really, really fine. Like they're just fine. But a lot of them are like really rude because they want that autograph and they're not going to allow anyone else to get it. And I kind of get it, but also at the same time, like, like what? Like, first of all, if you're going to like, harass or bully like younger people who are trying to meet their favorite actor or like director and you're like a full-grown adult like 40 plus with 40 posters and 40 pictures that you want to get signed like be realistic they're most likely not going to come up to you they're going to go to the younger person because they know that they're a fan um and it's also like yeah i don't know it just like doesn't make sense uh like be realistic here and I, I think another thing that I've noticed is that I don't know there's just this they have really weird energy and it's it, it's like they're not going to give you a nice autograph anyway if you have like 40 things you want for them to sign or you know, I'm saying 40 but like what I mean is like more than one they're gonna sign it really shittily and then I don't know like I don't I don't understand why anyone would buy things off of these autograph hounds anyways like I don't like I don't get it it, it, it just doesn't make sense to me especially since like most of them can't be authenticated I mean they could take a picture of them signing it sure but whatever the point I'm making is that they need to learn how to act like normal human beings and I think everything will run smoothly. Like I went to the Fableman's premiere and I got, I got, who did I get? I got Seth Rogen and Paul Dano's autographs. That was really, really cool. Um, but it was really bad um, in the sense that Steven Spielberg was there. So everyone was like shouting and like shoving for his autograph because obviously it's worth a lot and I, I, I respect it. I get it. But it was just, it was just such a jarring experience and not because like I, I, I expected them to act like that, but it's like, you, whenever you're in it, you're like, oh, this is so weird. Like, what are these people doing? And they were just like every, like the grown adults were fighting and stuff and everyone got mad if they didn't get Spielberg's autograph, but he literally signed for like five people and then left. So it's like, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it was definitely really odd. Um, they just need to learn how to be nicer and I feel like everything would, will run smoother. And yeah, that's my opening rant. Um, not even just for festivals, like in general, they just have that same energy as paparazzi and like they're really, really weird. And like once I asked one of them a question, they just like completely ignored me and I was like, okay, sure. But um, anyways, let's get into the news. Why don't we? So speaking of festivals, Venice is currently happening. I actually don't know if that's true, but it, it, a lot of movies premiered at Venice. And I'm really, really excited about a lot of the films that were premiering. So Priscilla premiered, which is the upcoming Sofia Coppola film based on the 
um, autobiography by Priscilla uh, Presley, and it's open to mostly positive reviews. A lot of people are considering it her best film film since Lost in Translation, which I guess, I, I mean, yeah, whatever. Um, what I really, really like about this is that it does feel very much like a Cop uh, Sofia Coppola film, like very much tonally hers. And a lot of the reviews that are negative, a lot of it stems from, of course, sexism because a woman is directing it. But there's a lot of, la like, there's a lack of nuance surrounding the film that we've seen from the very beginning as soon as the trailer dropped. Um, although she, uh, yeah, like a lot, like a lot of people are not necessarily looking at it the way it should be looked at. Like, yeah, sure. What we can argue that like what happened to Priscilla wasn't necessarily healthy regarding her, the age gap with like Elvis and the, just the relationship in general. And, but you know, that's still someone who she loved and someone that, um, yeah, like someone who she loved and was in a relationship with, right? There's going to be, you know, I don't want to call it manipulation, but kind of in a way. Um, yeah, there's just a lack of nuance in the reviews that I've been reading. And a lot of people are like, this, this, this is totally, um, you know, you know, like it's completely hating on Elvis. And it's like, well, yeah, like why wouldn't it be? Obviously, like the film from Baz Luhrmann, like it, it's like, it basically just mentions how Priscilla was like 14 and then it never mentions it again. And it's like, this is, this is this haunted and tragic figure. And then it's like, okay, but what about the fact that you just mentioned she kind of has a curfew because she's a child? Like, I don't, it's just, you know, so I'm glad that we are getting this perspective. And obviously it is focusing on Priscilla because this is her film. Why are you complaining that it, it that it's like, not focusing on Elvis like let's let's think critically here and so yeah a lot of I, I'm like I obviously expected these kind of reviews they're just complaining that it's kind of like um making Elvis look bad where it's like mm, I don't think it is I think it's just telling the truth and yeah um I'm really excited for that reason because it just if idiots can't understand it then I'm probably gonna really enjoy the film but yeah, let's move on to another film that it also premiered at Venice. So The Killer, this is of course the upcoming David Fincher film. I think I spoke about it last week. Yeah, so it's also receiving positive reviews, mostly positive reviews. Um, of course, David Fincher is going to say some stupid shit. So he said that he understood, it was just like press, he said that he like understood both sides of the strike. And I'm just like, dude, come on. <laughs> and everyone was making jokes or, I mean, me too. I was making jokes about how like that Netflix check must be so good for him to say that because like, I think Fincher is kind of like notorious for like just saying whatever he wants to say. But this is just making me like laugh because it's like, dude, like shut up. <laughs> I, there's no two sides to it. There literally is right and wrong and that's all there is really to it and uh yeah but anyways the killer mostly receiving positive reviews a lot of people are saying that it does feel like fincher is back in his element with the thriller aspect of the film but again um i think there are sort of talks about how the ending isn't necessarily as punchy as other fincher films are but that that's fine um not all of them have to have that that 
<laughs> that punchy ending. I don't even know necessarily what they mean by that. That's just something, some of the things that I've been reading. Of course, we also got Maestro, which is the second, yes, yeah, se second Bradley Cooper directed film. Bradley's a very, I think he's talented, but like, again, as an actor, he's not necessarily for me. The film itself has been getting a lot of acclaim. I think, I think it's a little bit more on the mixed side, um, but I think one thing that is being considered the standout is Carrie Mulligan's performance, but I think she is the best thing about everything that she's in, whether it be a lead role or a supporting role. I think she usually is the standout in everything, and she just has that that something where you're just drawn to her and her characters and her performance and her getting acclaim for this film is not a surprise at all. I think this is to be expected and honestly I was kind of going into this thinking yeah this might be something that whether it be good or bad people are going to praise Carrie Mulligan's performance like I I don't think she's ever given a bad performance she just she just has it she has it and yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I think the film from the trailers alone looks really beautiful. I'm excited to see it. I mean, I am a little bit iffy on biopics as mentioned, like literally every single episode that I have, but nonetheless, I am really, really excited because it looks really good just from a directing standpoint, but also cinematography. And I love the black and white, but I think there are a lot of conversations regarding this film for the wrong reasons. Um, and those wrong reasons being, you know, the anti-Semitic claims that a lot of people are um, talking about this film with. And I think uh, if you're unfamiliar with it, Bradley Cooper wears a prosthetic nose in the film. I don't necessarily know if he uses it the entire film, and I'm going to assume yes, because why wouldn't he? use it for the whole film and only parts of it. but anyways yeah so he uses it in this film and of course Leonard Bernstein is a Jewish man and I don't necessarily know if anyone stopped him and we're like hey should we be doing this and the reason I'm saying this is because the there is a history regarding like like big fake prosthetic noses to make fun of and it's more than just make fun of but yeah you get what I'm saying like make fun of Jewish people and it's pretty derogatory but the thing with the thing that I think is like why would they do that when they could have just not done it because when you look at pictures of Leonard and Bradley side by side they have similar noses and a lot of people are talking about how in the trailer the nose is kind of distracting because it does really really look fake honestly like at first I didn't notice it but then when people started talking about it, I'm like okay yeah I like what like why would they do that and it's just to me it's kind of just like why why wouldn't someone just say hey like maybe you shouldn't do this <laughs> and it yeah like f from a cultural point of view and like it makes sense not to do it but also it's not needed. It's not necessary. But anyway, the film is receiving pretty good reviews. I'm excited to see Carrie Mulligan's performance. And, um, yeah, I, I think that the, that like Leonard's, um, 
kids even said that they're fine with the decision to have the prosthetic nose and they said that their father probably would have been as well and so yeah there's also that aspect to take into consideration but at the same time it's just confusing because like why like why would they like there there wasn't what was the reason what was the reason anyways um yeah let's move on so of course this also this film also premiered at venice this is poor things um by yorgos lanthimos it is getting insanely positive reviews um by the time i'm recording this it's still sitting at 100 percent on Rotten tomatoes i'm not exactly sure how many reviews that is but it it's 100 percent sitting at 100 percent on Rotten tomatoes and so a lot of people are considering a lot of people are considering it lanthimos's best and honestly, I kind of see the vision. From the trailer alone, it looks like it's going to be one of the, my favorites of the year. A lot of people are saying that this contains Emma Stone's best performance, which she really is the actor of a generation. When I think about it, she has so many great films in her filmography and her working with Yorgos just makes sense because she has that kind of weird um, humor and you know, sense of humor and type of, you know, comedy that I think really, really works in his films. And so I've been hearing that it's really weird. And yeah, I I just, I'm really excited to experience it. I think it's premiering on December 8th. It got moved, so it was actually supposed to come out in September. But it, I mean, I'm I'm okay with it being moved because as mentioned, I think this was an episode with Juan. I mentioned that I really want it to do well in the theaters so i'm actually the campaign manager not the campaign manager i'm the social no i'm the marketing manager i don't even know what i'm trying to say i'm the marketing manager for the film so what that means is i am planning a viral marketing campaign in order to get everyone to the theaters i don't necessarily know what that entails right now i'm not even jotting down ideas i just know that we need to have it do well at the theaters i want this movie to make a whole lot of money I want people to realize that there's more to life than shitty franchises. And yeah, I've also been hearing a lot of good things about the script because this is an adapted screenplay. I've heard that um, it is a really, really faithful adaptation. But above all else, it is kind of... Yeah, it just is in general a really good screenplay. And I'm really excited about that aspect of the film. I just... I don't know it just it's so visually delicious to watch that trailer because the costume design is amazing the performances look really fun and extravagant but also the set design and the props and all that type of stuff it just so it looks so good to look at and yeah they they built sets for this which you know thank god uh even even I don't necessarily know if they're using I'm thinking of like the scene on the ship. There's like the very quote unquote fake, and I don't mean that in a bad way looking background. And I'm going to assume it might be computer generated to a certain degree, but I also don't know. Like, don't quote me on that, but it just looks so good. And yeah, it's just visually delicious to really, really look at it. And I'm super excited for this film. I think it's been in my top five, like most anticipated. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I'm really, really excited to see this a lot of oscar buzz surrounding this film even emma's performance but yeah uh just it's just really insane to see how good the reviews have been for this film 
So yes, the Venice Film Festival, it is still going on. I think it ends on the 9th. And as for the Telluride Film Festival, film festival, um, yeah, so that also happened. That is officially done. It ended on the 4th. So this also had a lot of, you know, a lot of films that people are really, really excited about premiering. So the Bike Riders, I believe I've spoken about it maybe briefly on one of my other episodes. This is the upcoming Jeff Nichols film. It's based on the um, kind of like a photo book um, from 1968 by Danny Lyon. So it's just kind of creating a fictional story from that book. Um, which is a really cool concept. I think creating stories based on photos is a really interesting premise that I think a lot of filmmakers have done before, but I think it's something that they should probably do more, like being inspired by photos and I guess like a collection of photos and like, um, the overall, the overarching like theme in the photos is really cool. Yeah, so anyways, this film premiered at Telluride. A lot of praise surrounding this film. I think it's also been received pretty well. Um, and of course, Jodie Comer is getting praise. But like, again, kind of in the same boat as Carrie Mulligan. Like, I don't think she's ever done a bad performance or given a bad performance. She kind of is. I think Jodie is probably like one of the best actors from her generation, um, if not the best. Um, it's It'll be interesting to see what happens regarding this performance during award season. And again, I hate to bring it up, but it kind of is this pervasive thing when speaking of film and the industry. So yeah, it's just, it's really cool to see her getting praised. I will regret every decision that I made that didn't lead me to New York when she was on Broadway for Prima Facie. I I mean, she won the Tony for the performance, but um, it's just, I'm so mad that I didn't see it and I didn't experience it. But um, yeah, like what, um, like, like what a talent. <laughs> but it's really cool to see her getting praised for this film. I, I think the overall look of the film is really interesting. I'm pretty sure it's also taking place in the 60s. I, I'm going to assume it is. Um, but yeah, another film that also premiered at Telluride is All of Us Strangers. Getting a lot of praise as well. I'm pretty sure it's also still sitting at 100% on Rotten Tomatoes as well. This is a film that is directed by Andrew Hay. And it is based on the, or I should say loosely based on the 1987 novel called Strangers by Taichi Yamada. And yeah, I, I think what a lot of people are talking about is Andrew Scott and Paul Mescal's performances and how great they are. Um, it's a really cool concept. The book is a really, really cool concept. And I, I'm excited to see the chemistry between the two and like the performances that they give. And yeah, I've heard really, really good things about this film as well. And honestly, like this next film, um, I've heard really mixed things about it, but Saltburn also premiered at Telluride. This is the upcoming Emerald Venom movie. And um, again, this is kind of receiving mixed reviews. It was considered rotten on Rotten Tomatoes at once. And again, I know this is kind of like a trivial way to look at film, but I'm just bringing it up because that is what the critics, that that is how they you know, that is how they look at film. It's either positive or negative reviews. And right now I think it is 
increasing, which is good. It's really good. I think it's like around 60% right now. But yeah, I've been hearing a lot of mixed things about it. It it just kind of feels it feels a little bit like um the talented Mr. Ripley, but of course it is entirely its own thing. I've heard good things about the direction and the screenplay. I don't even know why it's considered mixed right now. Like I think it just might be a little bit too much for some people. I've heard a lot of like things about it that would a lot of people would consider it quote unquote too much. But I I if, I don't know, the trailer's just really, really good. I feel like it might be one of the best trailers that dropped this year. And um yeah, I don't know. I think just overall this just like this crop of films that I'm speaking of, there were so many more films that got released um, over the past couple of days at these festivals. But it just really reminded me of like what a great year has been for film. It, we, I don't, it's just so refreshing and nice to see the amount of diversity within these stories and like, you know, these very original films it's just it's so great to see them i guess you know be well received even if they are a little bit mixed it's just it's just nice seeing all these like different auteurs at work doing their thing and it just has really been a really great year for film both like financially but also just critically i think this is a really really good year um we still have so many more to go and with that, I think I'm going to lean into the next piece of news is that Oppenheimer actually just passed the 900 million mark or, oh my god, I lied. It's close to the 900 million mark as I'm recording this. It's really in, it's within reach actually right now. And a lot of people are saying that it could reach almost close to a billion. A lot of people don't think it'll reach a billion, but it might be there. And it actually just passed Inception worldwide, so it's Nolan's third highest grossing movie. And I think it just has, like, two Batman movies above it, which is really insane. The fact that this, like, three-hour slow, and I don't mean slow negatively or derogatorily, derogative, I don't know the word, in a derogative way, or derogatory, oh my god, what am I saying, but, but, yeah, you get what I'm saying. It, it's, it, I don't mean in a derogatory way, it's kind of just, like, it is slow. Like, you have to, like, ponder and sit with what you are experiencing. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's just so incredible. And I'm really glad that it is being so well-received critically and financially. We really do need something like this at the forefront of movies. And it's just so cool because I feel like adults for a really long time have been watching movies for babies. Um, I've spoken about this before, but it's just really nice having these like movies really do well. I really hope that the upcoming Scorsese film can kind of do well as well. And even the um, upcoming Ridley Scott film, because we just need these like films. We need these types of films. Like I don't, I, like I don't, I don't want to deal with franchises and like movies for babies anymore. So anyways, yeah, it's it's almost, I think it, it, it'll reach 900 million soon. And it's just really cool to see it do so well and being so well received with people who, you know, might not watch something like this on a normal or regular basis. But anyways, um, yeah, 
I, I think I want to lean into more of the strike news right now. So what's interesting is that Aaron Paul was actually striking. He was on the picket lines. And he says that he doesn't get any residuals or get really anything for Breaking Bad from Netflix, despite it being one of the biggest shows on the streaming service. Of course, it is an AMC show. It is not a Netflix original, but it still does create a lot of revenue for Netflix itself. And he says something like, I think these streamers know that they have been getting away with not paying people a fair wage and now it's time to pony up, which is very true like they have been getting away with murder to put it a little crudely but it just doesn't make sense like breaking bad is always in like the top 10 of the service like everyone watched it and the reason why breaking bad kind of like blew up in the later seasons is because it was on netflix and it grew because it was on netflix so like it it's just like i don't understand why they aren't paying these people for giving them revenue and also like residuals kind of really don't exist unless you are on cable and unless you're like your show is on cable or like rerunning on cable and it just doesn't make sense because i don't know like it i just really wanted to bring this up because i think it's like important to like understand where these actors are coming from but anyways um yeah it was just something i wanted to introduce the last piece of news that i'm going to be talking about is well, I think it's cool. But anyways, the Eras Tour, kind of selling out everywhere. You cannot find a ticket for this show if you pray to God 40 times a day. You could. It's just going to be like at least $4,000 for a ticket. It's it's just insane. Like, Taylor Swift, man. Like, what what an artist. Like, what power she has. But anyways, uh, she, she made a concert. Well, I shouldn't say she, but there's a concert film for the Eras Tour. It is currently being projected to earn around $70 million in its opening weekend, which is, like, more than most movies can say. But, sorry, that was rude. Um, But it actually could mark the biggest opening for a concert film in history, and I think it most likely will. Like, I feel like it's going to outgross all of them in the first weekend. What's interesting about this is that it actually holds the record for the highest ever single day advance ticket sales revenue for AMC. I just, I literally don't know what to say. Like this, it's just, Taylor's always been big. Like I kind of, like from that very first album, like everyone knew she was special and knew she was going to sell like a lot and knew she was going to be huge. But the, it's so interesting to see how, I don't even think she's like reached her peak yet. And it's just, yeah, it's just really interesting because I think she is, like, one of the very few artists where people not only know her singles, but they know the songs on the album, they buy the albums, they buy the records, like, she is, her albums are always in, like, the top-selling vinyl and, like, physical CDs, which is, I think, more important than streaming, um, so, like, yeah, it's just, it's crazy because her, like, her power is just insane it's 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 so crazy because like folklore and evermore came out like what like three-ish years ago and they're always like the the songwriting on those albums is insane but it's there it's not just you know like the one or two singles that she released for those albums that are popular it's 
people are constantly considering those songs like their favorites even the ones that yeah like they aren't singles and so it's just it's just really cool to see like how she has kind of <laughs> like overtaken culture and I feel like Ayers tour really is monoculture and it's really cool that this concert film is a thing because a lot of people aren't going to be able to go because they either a can't afford the tickets or they're just like unable to go so it's cool that this concert film is a thing although it, obviously it isn't the same thing as in experiencing it in real life like I think anyone knows that it's just really really cool to you know be able to experience it in a different way you're gonna be surrounded by Swifties like it's gonna be a good time no matter what I don't know I think it's I think it's releasing a week after Killers of the Flower Moon and so I don't know like I know we make fun of like everyone trying to replicate Barbenheimer and they're not even coming out on the same weekend but if we can get Swifties to also go watch Killers of the Flower Moon boom there there our job is done our job is done <laughs> anyways yeah it's just it's really crazy to see the amount of numbers this is pulling already before it's even in theaters um so yeah i'm gonna end with this is of course the part of the episode where i rant or just talk about a movie or a tv show that i want to talk about uh, like be something i love hate one of my favorites something i don't necessarily care about an element of the film or tv show it doesn't matter but i really really want to talk about babylon because babylon of course the film that came out last year 2022 by damien chazelle kind of a very controversial film for really dumb reasons of course it didn't make that much money it made a lot of money at the box office but it didn't make back its budget and i feel like it was always going to struggle like i don't know it just but anyways it's kind of it was kind of a messy movie but i really respected it and again to put it in very simple simplistic ways of looking at film criticism i gave it a four out of five on letterboxd i really enjoyed it one thing i will say is that i really enjoyed the film when nelly was on the screen like i think every scene with margot robbie as nelly was my favorite and everything else like worked for me but like not as well as it did when she was there she was just very captivating in this film and yeah it it was a messy film and it did feel a little like self-important at times and I don't mean that from like Damien Chazelle's perspective it just yeah it I don't know there was just something about it that did feel like that at times it just I, I really, really liked it. Like, I really wish directors would do these big swings. I think it was a very good movie from, like, a technical point of view. Like, there was, um, there was, what what am I trying to say? There was, the, the score was incredible, the cinematography. They had, like, the swish pan that, like, Damien does. It just... It was so, it was so, it was like a fun time. I call them swish pans. I was like, is that what they're called? I call them swish pans, but they might be called whip pans. But anyways, you guys get what I'm saying. It, it, it did feel like a Damien Chazelle film. Like it was extravagant and it had a focus on music. And I think it wasn't, it was important. It was an important film for us to like see the, how Hollywood is constantly changing, but specifically in that era when it came to, going from silent to talkies silent films to talkies and how that affected a lot of the actors and their careers and how they had to sh they, they struggled with that change 
but anyways i think it was a mess it was a messy film but in like the best way like messy not in messy not in quality or the technical aspects of it but messy in the the themes or the yeah whatever is being portrayed and i think we need more of that in hollywood we need kind of these like funny like sexy films that aren't necessarily afraid to go there wherever there is and uh yeah i don't know i really respect the film i enjoyed it what's interesting is that i actually bought it on dvd i think in june and it kind of just has been sitting on my shelf for a while like i didn't even open it i was trying to get around to it but again it is a three-hour film and i was like well i need to find a time to like sit down and like really like sit with this film and so i was free the other day and yeah like i opened it popped it in my dvd player and uh watched it and it was it, i'm really glad that i have like a physical copy of the film and it just yeah i i, I don't know I, I i'm really glad that i have it and i think more people should watch it and like actually sit with it and of course i'm really excited to see what damien chazelle does next because i honestly don't know where to, where he would go from this but anyways yeah um as for the part of the episode where I discuss, you know, what is in theaters, I actually just want to, like, shout out film festivals right now. Like, find out what your local film festival is. Not everyone is going to have a TIFF. Not everyone is going to have a Venice, obviously. But every, pretty much every major city has something. It might not have premieres. It might not have red carpets. But it might be like a short film, it might be like a student film um, festival, it doesn't matter, it might be like a, like a queer film festival, it might be, yeah, like um, indigenous film festival. I mean, I'm lucky enough that Toronto has kind of like all of that, but just like find out what your local fest is, or fests, I should say, plural, um, find out the dates, support them, buy tickets. And, you know, if you're in Toronto, like, go to TIFF. There's, it is hard to find tickets for the more, I guess we could say, large fest, uh, f festival premieres. Obviously, like, it's not going to be easy. But I think it is important to just find films that have tickets available and, like, go and experience it. I think it's a really, really cool thing to just be able to surround yourself with film and people who love film as much as you. Even if it is for a couple of days, it's just, it's so exciting um i yeah anyways i i kind of just want to say that tiff is happening this weekend so maybe like try to find something um this weekend and yeah um follow me on social media i'm gonna link everything vanessa on films twitter instagram letter rocks um my emma interview my emma Seligman bottoms advanced screening interview is going to be premiering tomorrow starting at one it should be on demand soon. I will link both of those things down below or yeah, the OKU Live page and also the That's Wrap on the main page. It's going to be exciting. I'm so happy. I'd be so happy if like you watched it and shared it and like supported it. It's really fun experience. Um, And yeah, I'm just really excited for it to just be out there in the world. All right. Um, Thank you. Bye.